Church. Good morning. How you guys doing today? We want to welcome every single person at every single location, whether you're watching on Global, whether you're in Miami, California, wherever you might be today. I just want to say, New Jersey, what's up? We are so, so glad that you came into the house of God. And today I have the honor and privilege to bring the word. But here's what I'm asking, church. Here is what I'm asking. I am asking for grace today. I was laughing. I never preach in a sweatshirt. I never preach in a hat. But in case you didn't know, we had a powerful weekend at our first ever V1 Women women's retreat. Can I give it, can y'all just give it up for the women of this house? They are powerful, powerful women in the kingdom. And so I just need all the grace today. Um, so don't come at me in the comments and we're going to do communion. And I know, I know, I know all those things, but today what I need is grace. And I am so thankful to be bringing this word. I also want to say, can we just give it up for Pastor Mike? Man, he is such a powerful, incredible man of God. I know I'm married to him. So if I call him cute and you're visiting, it's good. It's legal. We're married. It's fine. But I'm so thankful to um, just have his pulpit this morning to deliver this word. And uh, it's so funny because we were talking last night and uh, we were talking through the, the sermon. I had written a sermon um, earlier in the week when I got the word that I was preaching today. And, um, and I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to talk about. And um, he's like, man, that's, you know, he's like, he, I could tell he was trying to be nice, but he's like, okay, can I just tell you what my heart really is for today? And so he, and he's like, you know, you could make it work. And he was trying to encourage me, but he's like, um, this is what I want to say. And so I said, no man of God, I want to download your heart into the people today. And so last night, that's why I said I need grace. Last night, I was like, I'll take another eye bag, you know, to get this sermon right into our house. And so I rewrote the whole thing, boo. And I am so excited to preach this word. And honestly, you know, he's such an awesome minister because what he really wants is transformation. He wants household salvation. And so I just want to honor him because this sermon today is really just a download an extension of his heart and the values, um, you know, that the Lord had spoken to him when we planted this church. And I'm so excited to preach it. But before I get into that, I just have to celebrate what the Lord did this weekend. How many of y'all saw it on Instagram or Facebook, or maybe you had long conversations with your wife and she talked your ear off when you got home? Um, Sorry about that, by the way. But I want you to know that the women of V1 Church are the most powerful women I have ever met in my entire life. I was texting my husband like, we have the best preachers. We have the best prophets. And I know, I know, I know it's not a competition, but man, they are the best. And we always say where we're from, it's a poor frog that won't croak for his own pond. And I'm croaking for all the ladies of this church because they are so awesome. And we really saw the impossible this weekend. And if you didn't know, that's the new sermon series that we're kicking off today, Impossible. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about different areas of impossibility. And this weekend, we saw 
the impossible. We had three revival home locations that are thriving, New Jersey, California, and Miami. Every single one of those women were represented at our, uh, at our women's retreat. We had four V1 church locations. We had NYC. We had Long Island. We had Indiana. And we had global women of our church. We had one of the missionaries that we love and we support and is a part of this house um, from Honduras. Gracie, if you don't know her, she's actually in Long Island today. So bless her. Seriously, bless her with your prayers. Bless her with your hugs. Give her money. Like, love on that woman of God. She's in Long Island. You don't want to miss her. But she was there as well. We had people come from other countries and talk about a humbling experience. We had over 160 women who spent the whole weekend together getting free, getting the Holy Ghost. And I love what Pastor Mike says. He says he believes men's women's or men's ministry is women's ministry. And so he props up the women of our church over and over. And I'm so thankful uh, for male leadership, because we are a house that's submitted to male leadership. I, we, had me, we had men of God, we had male pastors at our women's retreat, and they were so kind and so sincere. They just waited outside and they were like, we're just here if you need us. And, it, and I felt so covered. And so this house is easy to be a submitted woman in. It's easy to come in here and do ministry and move in the gifts and not feel intimidated or fearful or like I'm going to be held down or have a lid. And so um, we really believe that women's ministry is men's ministry because as women, we have declared that we are going to be biblical women. We're not going to be obstinate women. We're not going to be nagging women or women full of clamor and drama. We are going to be submitted to the house of God and walk in biblical maturity. And so I'm so thankful I was able uh, to just serve and be a part of it. It was so powerful. We saw so many testimonies. I'm telling you, these women will never, ever, ever, ever be the same. And it was such a humbling experience. And man, we had this powerful encounter. And here's the thing, you know, as a pastor, I got to talk about it. Can I just talk about it? Because sometimes you might see a snippet or something online and you're like, where's it in the Bible? Okay. And so you might see some footage we had. Well, okay. Nowadays they call them fire tunnels. All right. That's what like all the, you know, that's the new thing. But when I was growing up and for all of you who are Pentecostal, you'll know we called them prayer lines. Okay. So we had a good old prayer line. And I just want to speak to that for a minute because you're not going to find that in the Bible. Where is it in the prayer line? Where is it in the New Testament? I've never seen that before. But what it does is it gives us a sustainable way to pray and minister to every single woman in the room. And so I just wanted to speak to that. If we had skeptics or maybe you were trying to be negative or trying to bring division, I'm telling you, it was a powerful time, not because of the action of it, but because of the power of agreement in it. As women, we stood on both sides and we said, you are not going down in the winter. You 
You are not going to stay in a winter season. You are not going to stay bound. You are going to be free, healed, and whole. And so if at any point you see um, any clips of that or people post testimony of it as a pastor, I just wanted to speak to that and say, I'm a behind it. I'm for it. I'm pushing it on. And I went through too. Amen. So I am all for the power of agreement. And that's what we're talking about today. Because getting anybody to agree on anything here in 2023 is almost impossible. I would say pretty much from 2020 on, it's been very difficult to find things that we agree in. And so today we're talking about agreement. What does that mean? What does that mean in the kingdom? What is biblical agreement? And so if you didn't know, um, I'm just going to tell you what the core values of our church. And if you're a member, if you're, especially if you're a leader, especially if you're a pastor or on our prayer team or, you know, have any position, a kid's leader, I want to tell you the the values of this church and you can write them down if you don't know for those of you who've been in v1 college you could like these are probably tattooed on your back or on your neck somewhere um it's freedom generosity excellence and unity 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 and so that's the value that we're going to focus on today what is biblical unity and so the power of agreement in matthew 18 Um, verse 19, Jesus taught about the enormous power that exists when believers get in agreement with each other. Now, we're not talking about agreeing who did you wrong. We're not talking about agreeing on politics. We're not talking about agreement on parenting style. We're talking about when we get believers together who stand together and say, I'm believing with you and for you that this thing is possible. Or I'm speaking the word out loud together and there's power when we declare the word together. So there is power in agreement and that is a very impossible task in today's culture because the enemy would seek to divide. He said, if you two shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it will be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. So let's just look. We're going to do a little lesson. Okay. We're going to look at the Greek word for agree. Pastor Eddie, I'm doing my best up here today. Greek word. Every, you know, y'all started speaking in tongues as soon as I said Greek word. That's good. That's good preaching. Uh, but the Greek word for agree in this particular verse is somphino. Now I know I butchered that, but thankfully I live in New York and I bet you somebody in this service can correct me afterwards. So come find me, come find me. But it means to agree together, to make a bargain or come into agreement. It's the Greek word from which the word we hear symphony right? Symphony is direct. A symphony orchestra. Now this is from Rick Renner and I'm just going to read it as he wrote it because it was so eloquently written. I'm like, I'm not changing this. A symphony orchestra combines many diverse instruments under the direction of a skilled conductor to produce beautiful musical masterpiece. And its impact extends far beyond what any one instrument could achieve on its own. And so this imagery paints a picture 
of the perfect analogy for the Christian community as God intended it to be. I love the way that Rick Renner articulated that because what he's saying is, yes, a guitar is nice, but the sound changes when you add a cello, when you add a classical pianist, when you add, you know, um, whatever else, a clarinet. I don't know. I'm just saying random instruments at this point. But you can produce one sound with one instrument, but you can produce impact with a multitude of instruments. And here's the thing. When you read the Bible, you have to look at the culture context. So back in this culture, when you're talking about Jewish culture in the courts at that, at that time, they still believe it to this day, is there has to be two or three witnesses on a matter, on a, on a legal matter. So that's why when it, we got the woman at the well, when we got, or, or the woman who was um, in adultery, there had to be more than just one person who saw it happen in order for it to be true. And so we're not talking about the kind of agreement that exists exists in an argument. We're talking about the agreement that exists upon biblical matters, upon faith matters. I love that um, if you just have one person saying something happens in Jewish culture, it's not enough. You have to have more, at least two to three witnesses in order for a matter to be considered so. And here's the thing, in the courts of heaven, if Jesus says when two or three to come together, then you can imagine when we get two or three people in the courts of heaven petitioning for a matter to be so I have to believe that the judge hears me. I have to believe it. And so I just don't want us to water down the power of agreement. Rose Bogart, she is a mentor in my life. She's a voice in my life. And she gave me one of the most powerful pieces of marriage advice that I have ever heard. And she said, never belittle the power of agreement in a marriage. She said there are times and seasons where she's heard her husband pray or other people pray. And she has just come into agreement on that thing. And so in this house, I never, ever, ever want to dishonor a silent man of God who might have few words, but very strong, powerful agreements. And some of you men, maybe you've even been convicted or maybe, and some of you women, maybe I need to bring some correction to you. You've been pressuring your husband to be a different person than who he is. And maybe God does have, you know, a powerful voice, you know, inside that the Lord needs to unlock. But maybe he has powerful agreement in your prayer. And so I just want to encourage as a church, if we have somebody quiet in our connect group, if we have somebody quiet in our prayer circle, how do we not know that they don't have the power and the honor of agreement on the matter? And so I never dishonor a silent man of God. I never dishonor that. And I tell women who could pray in their prayer closet for 45 years, I said, honor your husband in the agreement. If he's in the room and all he says is, yes, Lord, I agree. I have to believe that there's something incredibly powerful, but that goes the same for you men who have a lot of words. Maybe you've been pushing your wife. Well, you need to yell like Pastor Julia. Well, I can tell you straight up, my husband can pray. 
And there are times where I get intimidated in our prayer. And I'm like, oh man, now I got to fight that intimidation. But there are times when it's not intimidation, it's the power of my agreement with his prayers. And so I'm like, I'm one of those, like, like I got your back, babe. I got your back. And all the time while he's preaching, you're, you're, you'll hear me if you're sitting next to me. Amen, amen, amen. That's good. That's good. It's not because I want to dialogue with him. It's saying my spirit is coming into the power of agreement for this word that lives will be forever changed. And so we don't water down the power of agreement here at this church. We don't water down the power of agreement in our families. And so we have believers who need to agree together in the Holy Spirit because if they can do that, it will be an unstoppable force. And that's why you see the enemy fighting Christian families. Our Christian families are under attack. They're under attack. If you are a a Christian family, you're considered radical because you believe that there should be a man, a woman, that you believe that people should have godly families that come into a local church and submit their finances and submit their lives and serve the house of God one day a week. I mean, that is like radical stuff right now. And so we have this attack on Christian families And it's why the enemy never wants men and women to be unified in marriage. Because when you're dating, the devil will do everything he could do to try to push you close together in areas where you should not be intimate yet. And then the day you get married, the devil will do anything he can to drive you apart in intimacy. Because Satan wants to attack not just the family, but what happens in the power of unity. The enemy knows that if he can come between a family, that it actually will hinder your prayers, men. It'll hinder your prayers. Let's read this scripture, 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, likewise, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Ladies, don't be, don't be all weird about being the weaker vessel. That's a blessing, okay? I don't want to pick up nothing, all right? I'm just telling you straight up. I'm just kidding. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, listen, this is a word for you men, so that Your prayers may not be hindered. When you're being mean to her, you're not winning. You are hindering your prayers. You're hindering them. Prayers are hindered by family, by family discord and strife. Let's just talk about it. The marriage relationship was ordained by God. God made everything that was made. He looked at marriage. He looked at man. He he looked at Eve and he said, this is good because now there's unity. Man doesn't have to dwell alone. And so there's this special thing that the Holy Spirit does when people come together in marriage and it's a compliment to each other. Doesn't mean y'all ain't gonna fight. You're gonna fight. Just ride with me and Mike in traffic. I like to control everything he does when he's driving. I always joke. I'm like, I got my own steering wheel over here in my passenger side. I got my own brake. And if I'm not careful, that argument in the car will spill over into other areas. 
So sometimes I gotta just, I gotta have the Holy Spirit and, and, and he'll tell me, he'll say, shut up. Because the unity in our marriage is more important than the control. And so when this relationship is filled with ungodly discord and strife, everything around the marriage suffers. Finances, children, destiny, assignments, unity. Now, I want you to listen to this because ta- I talk to the women all weekend, so it's man time, okay? Husbands, you have to live with your wives in understanding because they are not as strong as you. And listen, women, do not buy the lie of feminism that you got to be stronger than them, that you got to be in charge, that you got to make more money. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with those things, but when they become an idol and bring division, it's a problem. There have been times and seasons where I've made more money and there have been time, longer seasons where Mike has, because I, as y'all know, I stay home with the kids. Um, but, but there's nothing wrong with being the breadwinner. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't allow it ladies to be a source that you lord over your family because the unity, the unity is the thing that the enemy wants to destroy. It says, honor your wives as those who, who God's life-giving kindness so that nothing will interfere with your prayer prayers. Let's talk about this word, interfere, interfere. Now, I'm not even going to try to say this version of the word. I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but I'll try. Egopto? <laughs> I don't even know, man. E-G-K-O-P-T-O. All, everybody who speaks that, come find me after church. But it says, in. Interfere, in. That part means to cut, to properly cut into like blocking a road that you cannot drive through. Let's talk about hinder, introducing an obstacle that stands sharply in a way of a moving object. So when you hear the word hinder your prayers, it's not like, oh, it'll just water them down, might reroute it a little bit, might just take a little bit longer. No, men of God, what it's saying is actually it's gonna cut your prayer. Your prayer can't be answered, not because God isn't faithful and just to to hear you. It's because your sin has blocked the road. It says to sharply impede by cutting off what is desired or needed. In other words, you can liken it to like a vein being cut, the blood source being blocked. And so it's so important to keep the unity in our marriage. And men, you have to lead it. But women, you have to be submitted to the leadership. But you got to lead in love, men of God. Let's talk about something else that tries to break unity and agreement into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit, the most powerful and unifying force on the planet. When you talk about the kingdom of God, 
there is more controversy about the Holy Spirit than any other part of the Trinity. Even other religions will think Jesus is a pretty good guy. People who don't even believe in a higher power will at least acknowledge that other people believe in God. But when it comes to the power and the manifestations of the gifts of the spirit, even the church will say it's not for today. Speaking in tongues, interpretation, gifts. It's the only thing that is going to unify the whole body of Christ because it's the only power that can convict somebody in the nations and can convict somebody in Sherrillville, Indiana at the same time. It's Jesus unlimited through the earth. And so he's not here in flesh, corralling, correcting in person like he did the disciples. He's not going through walls, trying to speak sense into them and trying to reveal his redemption power anymore because his body ascended. But he sent the Holy Ghost to unify his church, to bring power and might into the kingdom and unity. But at V1 Church, we can't be fighting about, well, we don't need a fire tunnel. But do we need impartation? Do we need gifts and manifestations of the Spirit? Do we need women who hold up the arms of other women and say, you will not die in this season? We need men of God who love and lead their wives so that their prayers for their destiny, for their children, for their finances, for their expansion in their life are not hindered by the enemy. It says that when God called Moses in that burning bush experience, the first thing Moses did was he protested. Lord, you can't use me. And then God said, what about Aaron? I love how God asks a question, but it's a statement. Sometimes God will ask the question and he's not really asking, but because of the intimacy and the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, it's a choice. So he says, well, what about Aaron? Moses is like, you know, I can't speak well. You know, you, Lord, you know. But the power of agreement for Moses was already on the way. He said, he'll be your spokesman. And it will be as if you were God to him. We got to come into agreement with the people that God sends into our life to champion us into the next level. I want to read this scripture in Exodus 17, 8 through 16. Now, this is a big chunk, but y'all need to get this in your spirit. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. 
But Moses' hands grew tired. And so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat, get this in your heart, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek with his and his people with the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua. And I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it. The Lord is my banner saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Here's the thing. You need people to hold up your hands in other seasons. You are not meant to be alone. You are not meant to be alone. And I want to speak prophetically to loneliness because I know that our church, we be, being a supernatural church and believing in the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Ghost and believing that God could do anything. And sometimes we throw the program out and I understand that we attract prophetic people, but I want to talk about prophetic loneliness because some of you are idolizing the phrase, it's just me and the Lord. I'm too deep. They don't get me. And over and over, we're, we're, over and over, we see the Lord pushing Jesus and him leading the disciples. And even Jesus had community. Amen. There were 12 of them and all of them multiplied their ministry down. And so I understand that leadership can be lonely. And if you're a leader, you should also have community and good leaders find healthy leaders to share burdens with. And so I don't do life alone. I got people who share my burdens with, with me. I don't do family alone. I don't do marriage alone. I share the burden. And so I feel like, though, if we're not careful, we'll get a lot of prophetic hikers and not prophetic leaders. And so they're real comfortable coming into the comment section, but they're uncomfortable being accountable for that word in a church because in true community we're okay with receiving that correction we're okay with being told hey you know you tried something take a seat you better not <laughs> it's a little weird and so you got to be careful in supernatural environments that you don't idolize the loneliness you know, a fire tunnel, that's weird. Straight up. We looked weird. I looked weird. I flew back like six feet. It's, it's weird. And it's not about that experience, although that was a powerful time, but it was about the unity that was in the room that created an atmosphere for freedom. It's the power of agreement saying, you are not going to be like the prophet who thinks they're going to die by the tree all alone under a threat. You will not give up. You will speak in tongues. You will prophesy again. You will minister again. You will serve in children's ministry again. You can lead in the church again. You can greet again. And you will come out in Jesus' name. 
And so we prophetically were holding up the arms of people in those moments that people judge. We're prophetically holding up the arms of people who wanted to give up their whole life. And so you have the skeptics who want to judge the encounter, but those who are experiencing the power of that unity are experiencing the greatest freedom because it's not about the idolization of that of that tunnel or prayer line. It's about the power of agreement that says today you will be free. And I don't want V1 Church to leave people behind. But how do we do that? We're all over the world. We're, we're spread out all, all, all over the region. We got locations that are 700, thousands of miles apart. What do we do? I'm going to give you a very practical, simple step that will produce very deep spiritual breakthrough. You guys want to know what it is? Connect groups. Connect groups. Connect groups are vital. It's not because we want to build a program. Quite honestly, we're not even about programs. I can't do, you know, a dance opener to save my life. It ain't about that for us. I'm preaching in a sweatshirt today, okay? But it's about saying we cannot do life alone. So all the prophetic people, y'all need to come together and pray and prophesy over each other and encourage each other and correct each other because what we don't want to do is bring bad culture into our church, into our family. And now the thing that the Holy Spirit meant for great breakthrough because of our woundedness has been used to hurt and divide. And so when we come together, when we come together in those environments on Zoom and in person, when we come together and we confess our sins to one another and we, and we share our testimony with one another and we declare the gospel and we declare what the Lord did in another season and we declare his word and we speak his Psalms out loud and we speak those Bible stories out loud, there becomes power in agreement. And if you're too deep, to be humbled in a connect group. I guarantee you, our church will not be a good fit. It will not be a good fit. There's people who think they're too spiritual to be a part of a local church. Listen, not me, I can learn from a donkey, I don't care. I am here to learn, I'm here to serve, I'm not here to be elevated. I'm not here to be cheerleaded. I can learn from the newest Christian because if they're declaring the gospel, I guarantee you I haven't heard the gospel enough. And every time I hear the Lord's word declares, there's something in it that humbles me because I know that I'm not perfect and I know I haven't figured it all out yet. And so if all you do is come into a connect group setting and you just read the gospel out loud. There is such power in agreement. There's power in listening to another sister in Christ. There's power in listening to another brother in Christ. Declare their revelations in scripture. Declare the things that the Lord has done in their life. And so I just wanna 
us as a church, we're just gonna come into a season of unity. And I just wanted to bring that, you know, encouragement, a little bit of correction, a little bit of man preaching, you're welcome. I just wanted to come and just bring that word to you today. This is just my husband's heart just downloaded. In Luke 22, 19 through 20, we talk about communion. There's nothing more unifying than declaring the Lord's death. There's nothing more unifying than talking about the blood of Jesus. There's nothing more unifying than talking about what happened to his body because there's power. And we believe at this church that communion is not just a religious experience. It's not just a religious obligation. We believe that this is a supernatural experience. Because when you declare what Jesus did, what you're saying is, if, if his body was resurrected, then I also can be resurrected in my body. The Bible says that we die with him and we rise with him. And so right now, we're just gonna allow, to, if, if you didn't get communion, we're just gonna take a minute. We're gonna allow that to be dispersed through, through the room. And I'm just gonna read this scripture as you're preparing your elements, you can get your bread and your juice ready. If you're at home, I want you just to grab whatever you have. Do not be caught up. Don't get caught up in the religiosity of this. This is not about whether it's a, a, a blessed wafer or a cheese it This is not about that. This is about putting the whole focus on the sacrifice of Jesus. This is about our whole church coming together in unity and talking about the blood and the power of Jesus as a church. Because if we're not doing it for him, it's not worth doing. If we're doing it to give a prophetic word, it's not worth doing because the only word that, can't, that needs to be declared is Jesus, 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 and Jesus. And so I love that kind of encouragement, but it's gotta be brought into the river. The river flows together. And when you start putting things in that river, what happens? The river gets stopped and bacteria begins to grow. And so today we're coming into the river and we are all going to talk about communion. We're gonna talk about Jesus and we're gonna take it here all together. Luke 22, 19 verse 20, it says, and he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying this cup, that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Communion is the covenant sign and seal of our relationship with Jesus. This is a sacred moment. If you haven't accepted Jesus before you, I'm telling you, the word says don't take it, but I'm gonna give you an opportunity to accept him right now. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. Father, if there's anyone here before we go into communion that needs to pray that prayer, 
Let it be so. So God, this bread, it represents your body. It represents that it was broken. It was beaten. It was thrown in a borrowed tomb. It was abandoned. It was denied. It was humiliated. His pain of his body for our redemption. His death for our restoration. And we remember his love and we remember his grace. And we, we eat together of his body. Let's all just take the bread. This cup, it represents the blood. The blood that was poured out for us. The substitutionary sign undeserving we remember the benefits of his blood we remember he removed sickness death curse and bondage from our life and god we thank you for the blood of jesus we thank you for your blood and we drink together believe that in that moment people were receiving healing I believe that in that moment people are receiving family restoration and here as we take communion we're just declaring the Lord's death until he comes church can we pray father I thank you I thank you for your blood I thank you for your body that was beaten God I thank you, Lord, that you stayed in that tomb, God, and you fought all hell, and you grabbed the keys, and you set the captives free. God, I thank you that you didn't stay in the tomb, but you were resurrected. I thank you, Lord, that your body ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so that we could move in power and might, not for our sake, but to declare your power and your kingdom forever. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church said, Amen. Hallelujah.